to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Greetings. With us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee's Lee Younger. A much more muted Jed than the previous episode. I got to keep the people guessing, man. Like, if they get used, I don't want to be a one-note Charlie. I mean, like, I got a lot of enthusiasm, but I got to measure it out, man. I can't wait till we record the episode where you are like the... uh, the Nick Cage character in the original Spider-Verse movie, okay. the, the uh, Spider-Noir, where like, all, all of a sudden, yeah, Jed Noir, it's all in black and white, and you're like, we don't choose the dance floor, or we don't choose the ballroom, we just dance. <laughs> I, I, Why is Jed all in black and white? I, I think Noir Jed is something I need to work on. That's really intriguing. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Meanwhile, I like uh, the thing you threw out there, which uh, to me sounds like, the world's worst jazz trumpeter, One Note Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the notes note he doesn't play, which is all of them except one. <laughs> Every night, picks one note, only plays that note. Right. Dude, this is we make a lot of '90s references on this show, but I just got to point it out. There is a there's an old school Lemonhead song. That's the only kind of Lemonhead song at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or Evan Dando, the front man of this this uh, 90s pop band, pop alternative band, he's just like given the finger to every producer in the world. He literally plays a guitar solo that's one note. The entire <laughs> guitar solo is hitting one note on the downbeat. It never changes. Oh, man, that's great. And every time I cue up that song, I'm just like, who? greenlit this all the way to mixing and mastering it's it's a song called about time and it's just like the entire guitar so i'm not kidding like spotify it it's one note yeah i love the idea of spite rock that makes me really happy (laughs) i think we've discussed this before on the show but it is a a holdover of a bygone era wherein about let's say a record had 12 songs on it you probably knew what one of them was going to be when you purchased that album. And that led to a lot of stuff that people knew didn't have to really grab the listener. Yeah. The one note guitar solo on the album track, just, and they already bought it. The economics (laughs) of music have changed is what I'm saying. And I don't get the feeling that Evan really cared that much anyway. Fair. Fair. I mean, it was the style at the time. (laughs) yeah we're extremely rich rock stars but we hate it yeah yeah that is uh for some reason that was like the way to be for a decade gentlemen i just i have to interrupt our goofing around to say that i just got a text from anna okay from dublin yeah greetings from ireland so a plane has landed for those who are uninitiated my eldest has been in africa for a month and is returning to these shores within the next 12 hours. But she has just landed on a flight from Ethiopia to Dublin. So now she is headed back this way. That is awesome, man. Go, Anna. And now the most perilous part of any journey, getting to Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Final round. (laughs) That's right. Jackson Hartsfield is the... The video game boss of international travel. <laughs> Just crank some outcast and you'll make it. That's, That's right. right. 
Well, uh, that aside, I forgot where we where we even were going with that. Uh, we have a great show. We've got some great questions from you lined up. But first, we must declare a Christian business idea emergency. Whoa, whoa, Christian business. Yes, I we we've found this a, about Chick Fil A, Matt. Apparently not. I didn't know they were Christian. They hide it so much. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> You know, I've heard, and I don't know, you guys might not know this, but did you guys know they're closed on Sundays? Huh. The uh, Hobby Lobby is closed on Sundays, too. Is there a reason for that, Jed? Well, you know, I mean, Sunday, and and I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but Sunday is the Lord's Day. So, ah. I mean, that it could be a coincidence. I don't, I don't know, but I'm saying both of these things are true at the same time. Okay, but look. What if your uh, chicky um, canvas painting that said gather on it fell in a ditch on the Sabbath? Would you go down in there and pick it up? Man, that is, that's a theological conundrum right there. You know what might help me do that would be if I could, because I mean, going to ditches and picking stuff up is hard work. I would need to kind of fuel up for that process to have the energy to do that kind of work. And nothing <laughs> would make me feel better than a delicious chicken sandwich. That would really help me get in the right zone to do that artwork retrieval. So as long as I could have one of those, probably. In the days of Abiathar the high priest, when King David <laughs> gave his mighty men chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I love this this idea of like the American Protestant Talmud. Yeah. Where it's these very odd ethical scenarios. Like say you buy a Chick-fil-A sandwich on Saturday. But you, or you buy the chicken strip meal and you only eat two of the four, would, would it be okay to reheat that on Sunday and eat it? Or would that be <laughs> disrespectful? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I have to say no. Also, this is giving the idea, and I, this, this wouldn't be good because it is, uh, it would just be weird to the uh, minimum, the, I assume, minimum wage workers at a Chick fil A or the alley workers anyway. And we should not do anything to make. The lives of any service industry workers are more unpleasant, but I will maybe if I find a Chick-fil-A where like the owner is very clearly wants people to know he's there and he's like walking around slapping people on the back because one of the, the other hallmarks of a Chick-fil-A is the very, you know, you say, thank you. And they say my pleasure or whatever. I just want to know how they'd react to, um, Hey, you get everything. Yeah, we certainly did. Inshallah. <laughs> just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> just see what yeah. they do. Yeah. That's a it's a high risk, high reward bit of chicanery there, depending on where you are, but fantastic. Dude, I need here's here's the sitcom I need, and I'm just envisioning in my head right now. I need Chick-fil-A Dubai Airport. That is the <laughs> sitcom that I wow. need. That would be amazing. Would they like have to fly the corporate trainer from like Decatur, Georgia? Over there to show them how everything works. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's here's a spinoff, and it's like 15 years after Jed's sitcom. Okay, when like when Earth has basically become like some kind of because of global warming and the climate, you know, pressure has basically become some kind of like Mad Max or Waterworld type of situation, sure. which is obviously going to happen. And everybody is adapting to this new society, except. Chick-fil-A won't admit it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's all Mad Max everywhere <laughs> slash Waterworld. But then there's just a super normal Chick-fil-A <laughs> that just won't. And they're still closed on Sundays. They just won't admit that Miami doesn't exist anymore. It's a post-apocalyptic hellscape where like wars are breaking out for fuel, <laughs> but they still like put someone on the drive-through shift, even though like there's no functioning cars left in the wasteland. Do you want some zesty buffalo sauce with that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, here, here's kind of the the thing on that I'm envisioning is, are you guys aware that apparently somewhat recently there's a there's now a Popeye's chicken location in Paris? For real? That is, that is a true thing. You can look that up. Okay. And apparently it's doing very well, as it should. But I like the idea of them trying to franchise Chick-fil-A's to places with notoriously overtly rude customer service. Oh yeah. And like yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to do the uh the Chick-fil-A, you know, chipper friendly training at like at the Paris location. It just they yeah. will not the Parisians just will not accept Incredible. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you tell them it's a pleasure to serve them, but it is not. It is a burden. <laughs> like, well, no, yeah, I didn't know that, but <laughs> And of course, it all ends with a, the uh, Chick-fil-A workers union having an extremely violent protest that and just setting things on fire, setting up a barricade. People holding signs, this sandwich topped with ennui. Yeah. Now, listen, what our listeners don't understand is because the Matt said the word barricade in, in talking about France, he is now going to be in, in the background in his brain singing red and black from Les Miserables for the rest of the show. Yeah. I was thinking of a, do you hear the people sing, but chicken themed. <laughs> do you do hear, the, people you hear the chicken fry? That's yes, it. Yes, that's great. That's good. In the that's oil from good. the peanuts, you know, the whole thing with the <laughs> waving the Chick-fil-A flag. This is like a thing they would do. But no, yes. uh, the, to go back to the original question from eight minutes ago, uh, this is not about Chick-fil-A. Oh, this is about oh. a, a wow. innovation in the Christian business space. I bring you, gentlemen, the mobile baptism trailer. What? What is a mobile baptism trailer? This is a picture someone has taken and put on the Twitters. It is exactly what it sounds like. It appears to be, I'm going to say, a converted horse trailer based on the look of it. Okay. On the side, it says mobile baptism trailer, free, exclamation park, 410-463-0178. Just tell them, apostrophe E-M, I am Exodus three fourteen, Acts two thirty eight at the top. Repent for the remission of your sins. It has an exclamation mark, wow. which is not the way it's written. And then it says, "My home shall be should be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers." Call on, and then I can't stress enough that this is Jesus Christ is in all caps in like an impact font, yeah, with an exclamation yep. mark. There's a lot of interpretive rewording going on here and just adding random exclamation points. Well, when you first sent this to us, Matt, my, my initial thought, and I said this out loud to you guys was this is the worst food truck I've ever seen. <laughs> and, um, but then I thought, you know, because it says the baptism is free and I'm like, well, that's good at any food truck. The water should be free. So that's, yeah. you know, so that's, that's true. Thing. 
of course, this may be one of those situations where they had some kind of premium that they upcharge you to. Ah, the sprinkle yeah. is free, but the dunk will cost you. That's right. Dep- that's depending right. on the denomination. That's of right. the ba- okay, so that's very interesting. Like you go up to the food truck, and instead of a menu, it's like a denominational breakdown of how the baptism could go down. Oh, that's good. Right. That's very good. They have it on like a chalkboard, and the Catholic option is crossed out because the priest couldn't make it that day. <laughs> like, we don't have anybody There's- who can do the Catholic one. Sorry. He didn't. He didn't bring his miter. We give you five bucks off an Episcopalian. <laughs> I seriously like. I want to talk to the guy that has this thing and be like, "Tell me about the calls you've gotten, bro." Like, yeah. I need to know what those phone calls have been like because I know somebody's called this number and you've had your crank calls, you've had your wrong numbers, but I, I, I need to know what it was like. No judgment. People call it. I just need to get baptized, and I need you to get over here right now. I need to know what that story is. Well, Jed, to inform that, I looked up with the the phone number on the side of it. I looked up where the 410 area code serves. Okay. Okay. And uh, it serves the eastern half of the U.S. state of Maryland, including the Baltimore metropolitan area. Ooh. There's a non-zero chance this dude is driving around. I, we have to assume that anybody who saw this through to fruition is a man. Um, yeah, yeah. Is driving uh, around Baltimore no in the mobile baptism <laughs> trailer. <laughs> hey, slash DC, bro. I mean, slash DC. And and here's the other thing is what you're making me realize, Jeb, when you when you talk about those phone calls is is he driving around restaurants where people could be having the kind of heartburn that might lead them to think that death is imminent? Oh, dude. Yeah. That's a symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Is he just yeah, wait yeah. out to kind of those steakhouses where if you eat at like an 86-ounce porterhouse, you get it for free? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is the next TV show that I need. So I need I need all of the ones we've discussed, but I also need the one where this is just parked outside of, you know, the Longhorn Deluxe. And he's just like, oh, yeah, go on. Get that steak. Get the, get the big one. Get, get the biggest one they got. <laughs> Man, I am I am here for that show. Have you ever had heartburn so bad it made you think about your eternal <laughs> destiny? <laughs> oh man. It's, we we call we call this combo the Am I sure I've been baptized combo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I think we uh Again, for I think the second week in a row, we've come up with an actually actionable business and entertainment property. And that I feel great kind of thing we offer here in the emergency segment. So on that, we will declare emergency off. Apparently, Jed's own streaming service on. That's right. A series That's of right. ideas here. <laughs> Jed Flix. <laughs> oh my. With that, we will turn to your fine questions. If you have a question for us, hang out with all the way at the end, or you can Scroll down to your episode description and click the links you find there. First question comes in and says, First and second Timothy mentioned having a sincere faith. What is it that makes a faith sincere or insincere? An awesome question. And Jed, where'd we kick off here? It's a great question. I, I'm gonna tell you what it means to me. Um, if that's useful to you, that's great. Um I think Imagine for a second that you took something out of the Bible, right? Like just uh, pick the idea of like, you know, loving your neighbor and you have a friend who's completely irreligious, you know, doesn't really believe much in anything. And they're like, do you actually believe that? Like, are you, 
Are you actually about that? And think for a second, not about what your response is supposed to be. Forget about supposed to, but like what your response would actually be. And there's some things from the Bible. And and so, for example, like loving my neighbor, if, if I had someone like, dude, are you, are you actually on that? I'd be like, you know what? I really am. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm about that life. Like, I, I, I think I get it on, on a certain level. Like, it would be really weird to claim that you totally understand every detail of something Jesus said, but like, I think I get it. Um, and it resonates with me, this idea of loving my neighbor, like it, it's not just that I, I believe it, but like inside of me, it's like, yeah, man, that's, that's right. And that's good. And that that's, I want to be about that. And I think that it's important and worth making sacrifices to live that out. Like it's a heck of a lot easier to live a life where you don't love your neighbor. Um, you know, loving your neighbor is, it takes work. It takes money. It takes time. Like, you know, but I think it's, I think it's worth it. And so like, yeah, I mean, like sincerely, I, I believe it's important to love your neighbor and I want to love my neighbor and I'm, I'm trying to live that out for me. That's what like a sincere expression of faith would sound like. Now let's run the same scenario again. And my buddy's like, so the whole arguments about like, how you're supposed to get baptized. Cause you know, some people take that stuff really seriously. Like where, where are you on that? My response would be, um, I, I, I guess like, if you're in Baltimore, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> some people are into sprinkling. Some people are dunking and some people use recycled horse trailers. I say, if it makes you happy, I think it's great. Like, it would be hard for me to be like, yeah, at the core of my soul, I really resonate with the idea that full immersion baptism is the only way to go. And so there's, for me, again, this is just, you know, what I think, I think there's a huge difference between there's a thing that I believe and that it, it cuts to the core of who I am. And I've chosen to live a life that makes this central and that incorporates this. And I want, I want those things to become more true. Like I hope that 10 years from now, I figured out new ways to love my neighbor that I haven't figured out today. And I hope that that 10 years from now that like it is more true of me that I am a person who really derives joy and satisfaction from loving my neighbor than I do today, as opposed to something where I assent to it. Like the Bible says you should get uh, baptized. So I assent to that idea. I think it's a good idea because the Bible says that you should do that, but it's not it's not like wrapped up with like the core of, of who I am. And I think here's the thing on that is I don't know that it would really super be possible because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible for you to have gone item and item through it and be like, I'm treasuring this in the core of my soul. And so that's kind of my, my question back to you is what are the things that you're treasuring in the core of your soul? Because despite the ornate language, everybody has some stuff that they have put in their heart as treasure what are the things that you have put in your heart as treasure? I think those are the things about which you have a sincere faith. Yeah. I've never felt closer to the Lord than going through the closet and throwing away all my mixed fiber clothing. <laughs> that really did the trick, I think. And uh, obviously a great place to start off there. And Lee, where do we close this out? I love everything that, that Jeb was talking about there. And, and it's a, it's, it's a really important illustration for us to, to look at what do I care about and what is just kind of like I'm I'm assenting to that was that was great terminology. Um, I, I I went ahead and looked this up after receiving the question, and it turns out, and most of you guys that listen to this podcast know this that that the New Testament was not written in English. English didn't exist yet. 
It was written in the Greek language. And so when he says sincere faith, when the Apostle Paul talks about having a sincere faith in those letters to Timothy, that word sincere, it was a Greek word for an actor with an A in front of that word. And in the Greek language, when you put an A in front of a word, it negates the word. So he, um, and by the way, the word for an, uh, the word for actor in the Greek is hypokratos, where we get the word hypocrite. And so it was just the word like an, uh, uh, someone who is not a hypocrite, someone who is not an actor. Your faith is not play acting. It's not pretending to be something else. There are people, there are people in our society with, that have a microphone. There are people with, in our society that have a lot of money, and they pretend with the language and the terminology and the trappings of faith uh, in order to leverage people to get what they want. And what the Apostle Paul is talking about is someone whose faith actually means something to them. It, it changes who I am. It gets me to where I want to be. I need it to be the person that I want to be. I'm not using it to leverage you or anybody else into doing something for me or being something for me or anything like that. It's, this is something about the way that I interact with people and the way that I care about people. It informs who I am. It makes me who I am. It's not something that I use or leverage in order to make you something. When you think about an actor, an actor puts on a costume and they put on dialogue and they put on an accent in order to make you feel something. And what Paul says when he says a sincere faith is literally someone who's not acting, someone who is not hypocritical, someone who is not putting on a costume, not putting on an accent, not putting on lines or dialogue or language in order to make you feel or do anything. It's, it just means I'm not, I'm not acting. This is really who I am. I really have a relationship with the living God and it informs the way that I treat people. It informs the way that I treat myself. It informs the way that I form my thinking and the way that I form my life. That's what a sincere faith is about. It's about not leveraging or using faith to get anything done for you, but actually, actually walking it out, actually living, acting, and treating people according to this faith that I hold. Incredibly well put uh, from both of these guys. I think that play acting point is something that's so well taken. If you think about as a, if you think about that as a, a compass point about sincerity and insincerity, um, are you, is someone doing something because it is how they feel or what they think, or are they starting with how would it look for someone to think or feel this and then working outside in uh, not, yeah. not a hundred percent hit rate. Obviously we're, we've always been big proponents on this podcast to fake it till you make it in a lot of ways. And if you're in a new environment or something, then you know, you, you, you accustom, accustomize yourself to the lay of the land. That's, that's all fine. But as far as a general idea of is this, a faith sincere or insincere in yourself. I think combining kind of the examples Jed gave us with uh, what Lee gave us there with kind of that interior and exterior is a really, really good way to think about that. With that, we move on to our next question here. It says, when I was younger, apologetics was the big thing. Like how will you respond when a non-believer says this or that? 
I'm trying not to see my faith that way because the debate thing seems dumb, but how do I let go of that idea? I think it's a very interesting question. It certainly is a a generational thing because before social media, uh, a lot of people lived in the idea that if you just let everyone talk at each other all the time, that would be good and healthy. And that's how (laughs) things would happen. And now we've seen what that has wrought. So got to figure something else out. So uh, Jed, as far as, Kind of moving past the apologetics, the fancy word for arguing, basically. Uh, where do we start with that? It's a great question, man. And for a question asker, um, I really appreciate you writing in, and I, I really appreciate your vulnerability and being like, I don't think this is it. I'm going to try and find a way to move on. I think that's that's really cool. So the goal of apologetics is to win an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the point of it. Um I would submit to you that the best way to win an argument is to simply live well and be a good dude and people see that about you. That's another way of saying letting your light shine before all men so that they may give glory to God your Father in heaven, which is an idea that I just came up with myself just now. That's good. (laughs) Copyright. Say that podcast. Impressive, man. (laughs) Literally copyrighted by Rupert Murdoch, y'all. Literally (laughs) copyrighted by Rupert Murdoch. But for real, like, dude, be be a good dude. Uh, uh, send the light of love of Jesus Christ out into the world, um, man. Like, here's the thing: I, I'm I'm a person of faith. I have a lot of friends who are not. They know that I'm a person of faith. We don't argue, man, because it's it's just not like that. Um, all of this, there's a lot wrong with a lot of the ideas in apologetics. But but one of the things that it really misses is people don't change their views based on logical arguments. That's just not how life works. And maybe if like you just spent all of your high school years doing nothing but debate club, you know, you could kind of be in a world where it feels like if I just, you know, if I score the the right, you know, rational, logical points, you know, I have a reign supreme. But again, man, like, let me tell you about a related dynamic that that it's going to come back to this, but but hang with me for a minute. So if you listen to this show, you probably know that I run a nonprofit organization called Good Loud Media, and we we make music and related media that's designed to to help people and, and um, you know, whether they're doing with physical health stuff or mental health stuff or whatever else, but basically using, you know, music and other media as a tool to to help people. And it's really cool. I'm really blessed to get to do it. But here's one of the things about doing that kind of work is I'm asking people for favors all the time. Like I do a lot of fundraising, but just as importantly, I am constantly asking people for favors. I'm saying, hey, I need a specific kind of lawyer. Can you connect me with that? I need mm. a specific kind of accountant. Can you connect me with that? Like right now I'm I'm talking to a, a, a major TV station and convincing them to let me use a bunch of stuff they filmed for free. Um, I am constantly asking people to to do stuff for me and, and to, to give me favors and I would like to say I have a pretty good success rate at that. And I'm going to tell you my secret. This is the thing that, that really, really matters. It's not that I'm renowned for my logic and rationality. Um, it's not even that I'm renowned for having the, the most important cause of all time. Like the work is so critically important. No one could possibly doubt its importance. It's not that either. Here's, here's what it boils down to 99 times out of 100. 
Oh, Jed's a great guy. He's a good dude. Yeah, if, if, if he's on, it's probably a cool thing. Let me see what I can do to help. Yeah. That's it, man. That's you wouldn't it. leave the doors that open to you if you're known as a great guy and a good dude or whatever equivalent language you want to use. That's the keys to the kingdom, man. And you can absolutely do that. And and just so you know, most of what people would teach you in apologetic stuff is pointing you in a direction away from being known as a great guy and a good dude. And this is not about sacrificing what you believe in so that people will have a high opinion of you. People know what I believe in. No one's confused about that. It's just, I think the thing about apologetics is it, it carries with it a view of the world. that's actually just not very true. Um, it's, it's just, it's just not like that. P- people don't believe the things that they believe for rational and logical reasons, and they don't change the things that they believe for rational and logical reasons. Most people are driven in most of their decisions by emotion, and most things in life are relational. Figure out what it looks like for you to be your equivalent of a good dude and a great guy. Figure out what it looks like for you to live a life where you showcase mercy and compassion and kindness and you let that light shine before other people. I think if you do that, you will have more opportunities than you know what to do with to be an influence in the lives of the people around you. And at the end of the day, being an influence is all that anyone can hope for. That's it. That's that's the brass ring, man. But it all comes back to figuring out the kind of person that you want to be known as and then choosing to live accordingly. I think that's absolutely right. I, I would add to the really good stuff these guys gave you, kind of throwing in my two cents on the when apologetics was really big because there was there was a time. Oh, boy, was there a time? And it, it hangs around. And to combine that with Jed's, I I think, entirely correct observation that this is not a way to convert people, to reach out to people, to serve people. And it never has been. Uh, it's, it's never effective. Um, and anybody who's been in actual frontline ministry now or then would tell you that it's, you know, you have to form relationships. You have to let people come to conclusions and decisions on their own. You have to, you know, be that light. And that's how that actually works. So in, for my two cents, the, the apologetics thing was less about other people in any way as it was. People, men, primarily, um, who it was very important to them that they were smart. Yeah. So you take this thing, which is, uh, and I don't mean this respectfully because it is my own belief system, insane. I believe that (laughs) and the eternal creator of all things came to earth roughly 2000 years ago in the person of an itinerant preacher slash carpenter who's execution at the hands of the Roman state means I have eternal oneness with God. I believe that. I believe that I've told other people that I believe that firmly. That doesn't make it not crazy. (laughs) 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 That's just, that's an out there thing to believe. I do believe it um, with, with all my heart, but that doesn't make it. The fact that I believe it does not make it sound and logical and reasonable because that's not what faith is necessarily. No, we don't want to. Still we, banana pants. That's right. Look, we, look, we, we're all living through the same year here with, uh, in the last week as we record this last couple of weeks, we've had uh, Ru- Russian one day, Russian coups and uh, homemade <laughs> submarines and all sorts of nonsense that just because they happened doesn't and are true 
doesn't mean they're not insane. Yeah. We, right. we can point out that those are not mutually exclusive categories in any way, shape or form, but there's a, a type of, and this is a for a time and it still is a big voice in American Christianity for a time. It totally took it over the kind of reformed the theology, bro, whatever you want to call it was this idea that no, 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 it's, it's, it's the only logical, you may hear that if you really understood what all the Christian doctrine is, you would realize it is the only reasonable, logical response to living in the world. And that's just not true. And the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says you must come as a child. The Bible says, you know, he exalts the, the, those who are foolish and makes the simple wise and all that stuff. People are going to think you're not that smart at some point if you subscribe to a supernatural belief system. That is just what that is. And all the Gospel Coalition articles and all the well-written books and all the whatnot are never going to change that. So the question becomes, what is important to you? I would put forth that a lot of the apologetics movement comes out of the most important thing to people being that other people think they're smart. Yep. Not that they're, as Jed described, caring people or people who love their neighbors or humble people or people who live what they profess to believe, that people think they are really smart. And I can tell you as someone who, you know, I was a 21-year-old white dude once. I've been there and I've seen what it does to other people. That is not a happy way to go through life. Yeah. If you orient your entire life around other people thinking you are uh, very smart and impressive, you are not going to have a good time, regardless of what undergirds your belief system. If you cannot stand even people you don't know, that's kind of the the ev- extra layer that the internet adds to it. It used to be, you know, all these apologetics books. Well, what, what if you go to a college class and they God's not dead you, or what are you? You're talking to your atheist friend or whatever. And now it's what if someone on Twitter says, "Ha ha, that's stupid to be a Christian." Close the app, man. I have a one-stop shop for you, for you solving that problem. Eat a nectarine. They're delicious. <laughs> They're delicious. They exist in a physical form. Take a nap. It's delightful. Do something else on this app. Look at wrestling gifts. That's what I do. You may have another thing you do. That's fine. <laughs> but if you're sell, if you're you know, orient your life around other people thinking that all your decisions are super duper smart, you're going to have a hard time living out Christianity. Because Chris, Jesus specifically says this is going to go against logic in a lot of ways. And people are going to hate you. People are says. not going to think well of you because you do this stuff. Again, we, we always point out we reference the people hate you verse. Not, that's different from people will just be a jerk. Yeah. Because you're right about it. That's not exactly it. But uh, I got a little long-winded in the middle here, but that idea of it's important to me that people think I'm smart. It's important to me that I think I'm smart because that's what Christianity is. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close us out on this because yeah. some this has something to do with, I think, what your goal is for how you interact with the yes. world, the way Jed laid it out for us, right? Absolutely. And I agree with everything these guys said. I mean, we have to change our paradigm. I mean, even like there was a time when this was super duper popular. Like one of the times was when, um, you know, C.S. Lewis is the guy that if we're, you know, a Christian podcast. You have to reference C.S. Lewis every six months or you don't That's do right. that. Otherwise we lose our accreditation. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, he used to do these Friday night debates at Oxford, you know, and, and uh, they would invite, you know, atheists to the college and, and they would have these debates and everything. 
And um, there was a lady uh, who came and just, she just wiped the floor with him. And he had no, I mean, he just, he, he, just, he just couldn't, he just couldn't beat her. Like she just, she just destroyed every point that he made. And, and, you know, and, and he, he just, he had no response that worked. She just hands down won the debate. And, you know, and I love the writings of C.S. Lewis, but the saddest thing was he never got over that. The guy just never got over that defeat. And that's because the in implicit in this apologetics thing, it's not just, and, and Matt's exactly right. So much of it is about being smart, but it's not just being smart. It's also winning. Yeah. It's yep. about winning. And the idea there is kind of this enlightenment philosophy of if I prove it to you, you have to be on my team now. That's how we make people be Christians is I prove it and I win and I dominate. Let me tell you about my Christianity. I have no desire to dominate. I want to help. And here's the really, really cool thing about helping as opposed to dominating. Are you ready for this? If I want to help instead of dominating, my Christianity is not fragile. If I want to help you, I'm not fragile. It, it, it doesn't threaten me in any way if you don't believe what I believe. I want to know if I can help you. It doesn't challenge me if you don't believe what I believe. Um, I'm not competing with you. I don't need you to sign on. I want to know if I can assist you or if I can feed you or if I can listen to you. I don't need you to sign on to all of my belief systems or my, uh, you know, whatever it is, my credo to find out if I can help you in some way or if I can make some brownies or if I can help you clean your house or if I can help you get to work. None of those things. I just want to know if you need anything. And the thing about people that are competing, people that need to win and dominate, is, dude, those are the most fragile people on this whole planet. Say that, dude. Man, I just got through watching, I actually just got through re-watching a documentary called The Last Dance. And it's about, it's, a, it's like a 10-part documentary about Michael Jordan and the, the, the Chicago Bulls from the 1990s and the six you know, championships they won, spoiler alert. And I mean, it's incredible. It's got great footage in it. It's really well spaced. It's really well planned out. The interviews are amazing. I'm telling you, there's never been a person who's been better at their job than Michael Jordan was at his job. Never. Okay. I'm, I'm admitting it, but I'm also telling you this in the same breath. That is a fragile human being, man. That is a paper thin eggshell human being. That guy got offended so easily. He is a fragile person, and I feel sorry for him. He can't enjoy anything unless he wins. And I'm not trying to win anything. Yeah. I have a question for you. Can I help you? That makes me not fragile. That makes me somebody that can assist you, that can hopefully serve you, that might be able to listen to you. If we have a Christian faith that's lived out not in the fragility of competition, but in the security of being someone that might, oh my goodness, I might have something to bring to the table that can help someone else in need. Wow. 
Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing to add to the world? Very, very well put. I love that point about, about fragility because it really does, I think, tie into that idea of winning because um, if you have to win, the other person can uh, decides that or not. That's the other funny thing about this debate culture is the reason like a political debate, well, maybe pre-2020 when the very concept may have been broken, but a like a political debate is because there's an audience. They're trying to win over voters. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how you decide. There's an outcome by how you decide who wins this or not. If it's just two people arguing, and I've said this before, maybe on the show, I know I've said it to people in real life, you can have the most works-cited, airtight, bulletproof ca- case about anything, and here's all it takes to defeat that. Nuh-uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you lose if it's yeah. just a two-person yeah. debate. And, and, and to your point, Matt, when was the last time somebody totally proved something to you and just emotionally and in your heart, you're like, I'm not, I'm not on that because you yep. made me feel embarrassed or because you dominated me or because whatever, whatever. But like, I just decide I'm not on it. It just doesn't, it's just not a way to do anything. Exactly. And a reason that this, the paradigm that Lee was there of helping is so much stronger is because it can't be defeated. It can be waited out. And let me tell you, uh, all three of your intrepid podcast hosts here have been in positions with people we knew, we had credibility built up with, we had relationships with, who desperately needed help, and we have offered them help, offered them help, and gotten told to kick rocks. Yep. Not fun, yeah. not pleasant, not the way we wanted to go. But here's the thing. That's not a bad day for me, really. That's a bad day for the person who needed help. That's right. Yep. And sometimes, sometimes they come back around and sometimes they don't, but... I don't feel like my very faith and the very way I define myself has been shaken to its core when someone doesn't want my help. Someone else wants the help. I still, I want to offer the help. That's a a victory in and of itself. So I really, really love that way of thinking about it. With that, we're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, where do you guys go when you need inspiration? How do you let someone, something or someone inspire you in a healthy way? I think another very cool question. Um, Jed, where we start off here? Well, I'm going to tell you what, what I do. It doesn't have to work for you, but it's just, you know, it's what's useful to me. So um, I love old movies. Um, I really dig uh, a lot of modern jazz. Uh, really dig art museums. Um, I love learning, and I love learning about these days, like archaeology and anthropology. Like, I didn't know anything about those when I was a kid because um, certain, certain kinds <laughs> well, of— Why, Jed? Yeah, like <laughs> certain certain kinds of Christians are pretty afraid of those topics, so uh, it wasn't a lot of that. So, well, it's not it. their fault. It's the people who uh, planted the fossils in the ground to test our faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've enjoyed learning about that. But here's the through line on those things: is that kind of each of them gives me a sense of perspective. Like you know, it's they help me get outside of my own head. They, they help me take a, a break from my normal life. They help me kind of look at things from different angles. Like I, I really like, so, you know, just very briefly, you know, walking through like the anthropology thing, the archeology span thing. Like I like the idea that there've been people for a real, real long time before me. And that I'm not the first person to try and figure any of this stuff out and, and struggle with whatever I'm struggling with. And, you know, um, I find that really comforting. That's just me personally. Um, and it's actually kind of a similar thing with art museums. Like I, I love seeing stuff that was made, you know, 300 years ago or a thousand years ago or 3000 years ago. That's this work of beauty. And like, 
it's cool, man. People have cared about beauty for a long time and, um, and there's a sense of connection and we're not, we're not that different. And because I make a lot of music for a living, jazz is kind of the one style of music I don't really make. And it's just nice to be a fan and just listen to something that I don't, I don't really have to understand it. I can just like it. Um, and I definitely don't have to be able to play it, which is good because I can't, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's nice to be a fan, you know? Uh, per your question about how do you let something inspire you in a healthy way? I think one thing that I am kind of clear on in my own life, in my own brain is I'm not vouching for the person behind whatever this is. Right. So like, I'm not vouching for Caravaggio as a person, which is good because that dude was a huge mess. Like if you want some entertaining reading, like read about his life, (laughs) that dude was out of control, but like, I'm vouching for the connection that I felt that one time with that one painting. Um, you know, like that, that painting just got me in a, in a separate space. So like, as an example, there was a roughly speaking similar era. There's an Italian painter named Pompeo Batoni and his painting of the prodigal son. Um, it just blows my mind. Like it, it, I feel something like almost every time that I look at it, it's just this perfect moment of capturing just this incredible dynamic I don't know anything about Batoni as a dude. I kind of don't want to. Um, most super talented artists are pretty jacked up human beings. I'm sure he was as well. So like, I'm not inspired by the dude and I'm not looking to be, but, but this, this work of art that he made like that, it, it helps me. It brings to life the story that I care about in a way that really matters to me. And so um, I'm, I'm careful with what I to myself, what I vouch for. Right. So like mm. her Lee's really excellent story about, you know, CS Lewis and losing the debate and not being able to be cool about that. There's this book that CS Lewis wrote very early in his career called till we have faces. And it's a retelling of an old Greek myth. And I, honestly, he may not even have been a Christian when he wrote it, if I recall correctly, but man, it has been so pivotal for me. Like I went through this period where I was so angry at God all the time about everything And it kind of deals with like being angry at the gods. And like, it was super important for me. It really like, it's one of these things where like, it helps some things click in my brain in a way that I really needed. Um, And I'm super grateful that it exists. Like I'm not vouching for CS Lewis as a person. That dude had a lot of issues and a lot of struggles. I'm super grateful for this one book that he wrote because it it was massively helpful and encouraging to me. And for what it's worth, I think you give yourself permission to do a similar thing where like, whatever it is, this experience, this book, this song, whatever, this has been really important for me and helpful to me. And I, that is great. The person it came from, I know is pretty imperfect and I'm not, I'm not vouching for that. So I hope that helps. That's, that's what works for me. A great place to start off. And Lee, what do we have to add to that? Man, that was such a cool, such a cool answer and perspective. I, I would say this is a this is a tricky space for me because I think that um the places where I see a lot of people searching for inspiration are things that really, really turn me off, man. Like uh fired up people make me tired. Like people that are like, here's the here's what I did for six weeks that shredded my abs or yeah. whatever. Like that kind of stuff, man. And there's just, there's an endless, there's just an endless cycle of that stuff that you can scroll through right now that people that are super hype, 
massively motivated and I feel like I just like I like Fritos, man. And like and and I and I and I I'm powerless against Fritos. And so I <laughs> I just, you know, it's like the, 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 there's a, there is a thing in our culture right now where somebody's going to wind up in your algorithm somewhere and they're going to try to fire you up to be a certain type of person in this exact kind of way. And I am very, very, um, I just, all that stuff is very dubious to me, man. And that's one thing I really appreciated about Jed's answer because as Jed answered, what happened inside me was I started realizing like, oh man, lately I've been extremely emotionally connecting with the, this is so dumb, everybody, but like, I'm just being honest, like the Bill Conti soundtrack for the, the first three Rocky movies. Yeah, man. There it is. I just think Bill Conti is a genius. There's like a, there's like a, a melody that when it happens in when it happens in trumpets and trombones underneath major chords, it's the most triumphant thing in the world. But when the same melody happens on a piano over minor chords, it's the saddest thing that ever happened. The saddest sap that ever lived. It's incredible. I'm I'm so I'm so inspired by that guy's ability to take the same melody and make it the most triumphant inspirational thing ever or the saddest thing ever. It just blows my mind as a composer. I'm just like, I just want to meet. I don't even know if Bill Conti, he's probably not alive any longer. I just want a documentary about Bill Conti. That's like, it's so inspiring to me, but that's what was so cool about Jed's answer is as he was answering, I started realizing, Oh man, there's some really weird things that are inspiring me. And, um, and, and that's getting me fired up. So my question for you is, outside of the reach of social media trends, what's something you enjoy? What's something that makes you happy, that makes you want to reach for the next story or the next song or the next whatever? I had a 63-year-old guy this past week text me and say, I have a problem. And I was like, what? And he said, I'm listening to this Taylor Swift song. And I was like, what's the problem? He said, I can't get it out of my head. And I was like, well, it was designed to do that. Yeah. And he was like, well, my, my problem is I don't want to get it out of my head. And I said, well, why don't you just lean in and enjoy it? By the way, if you like that song, you should try this song by her. It's really, really cool. And then he tried it. and He was like, this is a great song, too. And he said, oh, no, I'm 63. And I think I'm a Swifty. And I was like, dude, just <laughs> lean into the Swifty, man. Like, Own it. The, she's good at this. It's fine. It's, it's totally fine. And, you know, so I think that's a really important question is inspiration is a weird thing, man. The question might be, um, what gets my blood pumping about who I am? And like, what gets me excited to move on to the next thing or to learn some more? or to ask more questions. Um, I think curiosity, you've heard, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you've heard Jed say that, that generosity is a muscle. Yeah. And I think that's true. I think the same thing about curiosity. I think curiosity is a muscle. And I think that 
the the more you decide to be curious and to lean into learning some more and chasing down the areas that get you asking questions, I think that's an exciting frontier, man. And I hope you find something that really, really gets you pumped. I think those are both great answers. And it, it, I want to go back for a second to Lee's point, which uh, I totally agree with about the exhausting nature of kind of the influencer version of inspiration of you're going to turn your whole life around by doing this and you're going to become this completely different person who is a kind of person who does these things. I, maybe that works for some people. It doesn't seem to and any people I've ever known, but Hey, maybe. Um, but I, I wonder exactly as these guys are saying, if we can think of inspiration in a smaller scale, you do not have to uh, tomorrow get up at 5 AM to go chase all your dreams in order to be inspired. You can get a little rest. You can feel just something that makes you feel happy is kind of naturally an inspirational thing. Something that just eases your, your load as you go on to the next thing you want to do. And as these guys are kind of pointing out, you could, I wonder if we can't just ease the throttle back on that. You can be inspired by the one song by this person and have no desire to go digging into their entire catalog and make them your new favorite musician. Um, same thing with an artist or a writer or any of that stuff. You don't even have to understand things. One, one place where I, I, it's a strange place, but I would s- describe what I get from it as inspiration is being in large cities and seeing things that people made like just, just human endeavor. Just there wasn't a bridge here and we needed to get from this side to that side. So we made a bridge. No one had ever done it before. And now, you know, the Manhattan bridge is here or, and there's a ton of stuff in Chicago that's massive engineering uh, marvels just built almost for the sake of building them. It's that level of human endeavor that I think is really cool. Just thinking like there's just something wonderfully human to me about that, about what if we built a big thing? Well, we don't <laughs> have to. We can. Yeah, but what if we did? It'd be big and we would have built it. And here's the thing. I think that's all very cool. I get a certain charge of that. I don't understand anything about engineering. I don't understand anything about materials. I don't understand anything about the math behind it. And I'm not going to learn <laughs> but because I don't have the time, the interest, or if math scores from high school or any indication, the ability to understand these things, but I don't need to fully understand them to think that's really cool. Yeah, that, man. I think we, there's this idea that something has to become a hyper fixation in order to be inspired by it. Like you can see a clip from a YouTube video a clip from a movie on YouTube, be like, well, it's a really cool shot in Citizen Kane. And that, that's a really neat thing. And it's, it's fun to think outside of the box. You don't actually have to go watch all of Citizen Kane if you don't want to, much less everything Orson Welles has ever made. Uh, you can pull little bits from, from here and there and some stuff you want to dive further into. And that's super cool. But you, it doesn't have to have a, a huge backstory to count as inspiration. If you, if, and I think that is healthy too. I think to, take a little bit here and there to get throughout your day is probably a healthier way to do inspiration than trying to do an entire overhaul on your personality every two to three months, which is probably going to lead to burnout in a general generalized way. All right. That is our final question there. If you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. Say the song this week. This is uh, a collaboration of Jed and our friend, Lynn Huntman called. No, he wasn't great tune. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Chapel. Two men go to the church. The first steps up to the microphone to give the speech that he's rehearsed.